Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to... Happy Mother's Day, Scarlett New. Happy Mother's Day. Before I get started, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mother's Day. Today is a very beautiful holiday. It's very celebratory and a time for us to show our gratitude to our mothers. But it also can be a very challenging day for many people. Mother's Day can be tough for those who've lost their mothers. Mother's Day can be tough for children who believe they don't have a maternal figure in their life. Mother's Day can be tough for mothers who've lost their children or who wanted children but have been unable to bear them or struggling to have kids right now. So I just wanna sit with you right now and offer you peace and comfort that can only come from God. Because while today is very beautiful and while I'm sitting in gratitude and happiness, I know that's not the same for everyone. So we are here for you, we're praying for you, and just know you are not alone today. So I just wanna take a moment to acknowledge that. So it looks a little different up here, doesn't it? A little fancier, a little fancy, right? So today for Mother's Day, we are switching it up. We are going to have an amazing panel. We're gonna have a really fun discussion. Um, so if you know a Latina household, if you're a child, you don't really have a choice, and that's kind of why I'm here. I had no choice in the matter. I was, I was told I was gonna be asked, not asked, told. Love you, Pastor Becky, love you, Mom, love you, Rebecca. Give it to Alexa, she's doing a wonderful job. <laughs> I picked the right one. We picked the right, we picked the right one, ladies. So today I was given the opportunity to, I want to say interrogate these lovely women. And if you get the chance to grill your mom, aren't you going to take it? I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> and due to the fact that this is going to be a very different service, we actually want to engage the audience. And we are going to offer time for you to submit your questions to me to my lovely phone. Can we put the number up, please? They're gonna put the number up. So throughout this panel, I'm gonna be asking a series of questions. And if you have a question or the spirit invokes you, you can send a text message to this number, 302-635-9689. And we also encourage the people online to, to submit questions because we wanna hear from you and you are actively a part of our church body as well. So I'm gonna leave this up for a second so you can write it down and I'll put it up later. No pressure. I mean, I might judge a little bit, but no pressure, okay? All right, so we're gonna get started. Ready? You have a little bit of break too. So today is Women's Month. Can I get claps for Women's Month? I'm very proud to be a woman and I'm also proud to be a nerd. So what I did, Let's do a little research on some women's history, and that's gonna be the setup for today's panel. So in my research, what really struck me about American woman history was the skill set of quilting. I have a quilt right behind me, right here. Quilting for American women predates colonial times, and even in the early 19th century, regardless of your socioeconomic status, which is how much money you've made, women would come together and craft quilts. And quilts would be for comfort, but they also would be used for social activism or even to give messaging of hope to soldiers. In fact, for enslaved women, they would be taking their scraps from their enslavers and they would make bedding and they would make um, quilts for their own children and their own families. So quilting really represents resilience and culture and faith and hope. 
Since the 19th century, there was something called a quilting bee. And what a quilting bee would be women who would come together and they would, one, teach the skill of quilting, but they would also talk about community news, they would share recipes, they would promote social movements, and most importantly, they would teach their daughters. And that is what we're going to be doing today. This is our metaphoric quilting bee. We are going to be together, and I, the daughter of not just my mom, but to all these women, am gonna learn, and we all are gonna learn together from their lived experiences. And that's why today's title of this panel is Piece by Piece. We're gonna get pieces of their journey, and we're gonna pull a story, is that okay? Everyone listening, everyone excited? Great. So now, I love panelists, we're gonna move to our first question. All right, so the first question was inspired by Psalm 68.5. Can we put it up on the screen, please? All right, so Psalm 68.5 is Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. So the first question, each of you have your own experiences of abandonment prior to becoming mothers. Can you tell us a part of that story and how God showed up as your parental figure in your life? Can start with that one. Um, so as you know, fatherless, father to the fatherless, defender of widows. As you know, um, I was born into a very poor family, and I don't know my father at all. Uh, my mom, at the age she had me at the age of 15, and at the age um, of 18 or 20, she had to make a decision to um, give us up for uh, for foster care or go to a home, and the reason is that we lived in one room with about my grandmother, my two, three aunts, my brother, my mom and I, and two, there was only two um, beds for the, all the people in that room, and we lived in what it was called a conventition. Conventition is like a very hotel for poor individuals that share bathrooms and share kitchens. Um, and so to me, her decision was completely out of unconditional love because she could have kept us. She went to the family and said to one of my aunts, um, could you help me, could you watch the kids uh, while I go to work? And this aunt said no. And that's what led to my entire life afterwards, right? When she said no, my mom had no, she felt I had no other choice but to um, give us both up, place us in a home. And she chose, she wasn't a Christian, but she chose a Christian home. And from there we went to, um, I was adopted by an amazing family that led me to Christ, um, led me to live the life that I have now, you know? And I think that when he's the father to the fatherless, that to me is, he took care of me even though I don't know my father and even though my mom, my biological mom, couldn't take care of me. But he made sure that she had the right people around her somehow, um, not because they were friends. I don't even know how they came to know each other. That led her to that decision. And I'm here today because of that act of love that my mom, biological mom, and because of my 
um, adopted mom, but definitely father. He was definitely my father because I didn't have one that I, I mean, I obviously had one, just didn't know one. Wow. So in my story, um, my biological dad actually abandoned us when I was like a year and a couple months and my mom was pregnant of my sister. So I grew up for many, many years, for like nine years out of those, that, that time without having a father figure in my life and then having to go to school and seeing celebration, uh, having Father's Day, not, not, not feeling that and not, not having it, you know? So I was like, I always felt sad as a child, you know, because I wanted what I, other little girls, you know, desired for. And um, another, uh, that, that pretty much triggered into, into my marriage, me being 16 years old. My mother is my rock. And I say that because she worked very hard to keep us four together. She never abandoned us. I learned a lot from her. She worked very hard to provide. But there was a little season that she, not, not because she left me, it's because I, I, I married my husband so young. You know, so she, she went on and continued living her life. But being 16 years old, that was the most time in my life that I, that I know that I needed my mom the most. Because I was a first time mother first-time wife, and the first person that you will ever want to run to is your mom, is your mom. But I'm also thankful that I had a loving, loving family church that I learned a lot, and I gravitated to many of people that were married for a long time. So everything that my eyes took in that was good, I applied it to my life. If it was marriage, or being a wife, or being a mother, that was my substance in the church. And all, of course, the, uh, the, the message of this whole entire month, I am loved. It makes, it makes you strong. It makes you strong. So, thank you. So, I don't know why I'm here, guys. This is the wisdom, right? <laughs> so, um, I can't compare my life to my mother-in-law of Dr. Gladys because I had a father, and, and I grew up in a church as a Christian, but I want to share a couple of things. So I think for me, I never had consistency with my father. He was in and out for periods of time. And um, so something that Alex mentioned here was that I never hided my emotions. And I always had been proactive and saying, oh, I don't feel right. So because growing up, um, my brothers were kind of like hiding that we were bothered or we were in pain because my dad was not there. But I always, I was proactive and I sent letters to my dad when he was away and say, hey, I miss you, I don't see you here. And I think for me, it was not that I was comparing what other kids had, was that I saw my dad being so nice to other people and having relationships with other people. So for me is that I know that my dad maybe don't have the capacity to hug or love, but he had the capacity to have a relationship with somebody because I saw him being so nice to nephews and other family people or people from the church. So I wanted that for me, not that I wanted love or a kiss. I think I wanted to have a connection. So how I never felt, felt uh, fatherless because I was in church. So I always saw God, because I always prayed. My hope was that 
some day to have a connection with my dad. So I always pray, God, give me a father. So remember, nobody can change if they're not willing to change because God gave us a, a free will, right? But I saw God being actively involved on giving me that love. So in the church, in the church of ministry is why I, I am a teacher here in the church because I remember having teachers that were men, were male. I remember um, brother um, Nico, he was like 65 or 70 years old. That guy loved us in the children's ministry. He was, uh, he was there to provide that. So I saw God actively involved in providing me that love that I needed. And then I was able to, through the love of my church, to forgive my dad. And something that I want to share, because it's not just about being victims, it's about what you learn from that. So I was able to be emotional resilient that from, from what I'm, I was learning from church. So at one point, I was able to forgive my dad. And we need to always check ourselves. So I was able to forgive my, my dad and adapt to what he was able to provide. So I always, when he was around, I always was, uh, there to make conversation with him, to connect with him. So I, I, I never was the victim that, oh, you left me. No, I was trying to build that relationship in his terms because I was already healed. So I was able to uh, allow him and teach him how to love me. And if he had, was able to have a relationship with somebody else, I was able also to talk about horses and land and whatever was interest. So I want you guys to learn that it's not just about being victim, it's what you learn with God and your relationship to be able to also provide a healing, healing from, for them. See, that's why they're the panelists. That was so amazing. Um, Pastor Becky, you kind of touched on this theme, this month's theme, and the verse of this month is 1 John 4, 19. And the verse simply states, friends of church being in your life, and all of you grew up in the church. All of you continued to serve the church throughout their life. Um, but you also have experienced a lot of pain because of the church, particularly from women within the church. How did you find a way to put into practice the message of 1 John 4.19? And did you struggle with that? You were going first, right? <laughs> why don't we do why don't we do Pastor Becky? Do you want to go? <laughs> That's fine. Well, through this journey, journey and growing, you know, and listening to the word and applying it to my life, um, it was it was hard in the beginning, you know, but because of His word and His love, His mercy, um, I overcame that. You know, if we practice what we preach and we apply it, it puts, in, it puts us in a different level, level in our life. And we, we start showing God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. And you forget about all of that because it makes you stronger. And you start to see things differently. And it's just a constant reminder of things that you should not do to the next person because it causes you so much hurt. And it reminds you where you were, where you were at that time of in your life. So my thing is, I work very hard every day to remind myself not to do what's done to me and show God's love through me, through my love, through my many hugs that you guys talk about. Be Becky, 
Becky's hug. Because I had to learn how to do that. Bring on that, girl. That right there was so personal to me because even my mom heard it. My God used me to show my mom love because of my hug. So every single time I go see mom, I know that she's looking for that Becky's hug. And she hugs me like she never saw me like in a whole entire year for the, you know, like it was the first time. Me, I, need to, I need to get better at that. Go and see, see mom. But that's the way I, I face it. God loves me so much. Why should I be any differently than he gave his only son? Jesus. So, um, I want to give you a, Dr. Gladys to breathe a little bit. Um, maybe she has a lot to share there. You so, like driving I, history or something. So, um, I think we have to grow in life. And I know there's going to be people coming to your life and maybe it's hurting you intentionally, but sometimes feel people don't know how to love. So they hurt you sure. because they don't know that they're hurting you because they're going through their own stuff. But for me, I think having experience with key people in my life that hurt me, that has to, it should give you emotional resilience. So, one of the things that I learned from my experience with my dad is not receiving, not hoping to receive nothing in return. So, so when it comes to if somebody hurts me, I need to always remind myself why you are here. Like, I have been through, through all this and remind myself, don't hope nothing in return. Because if I'm hoping to have something in return, I'm going to be hurt every time. Yeah. Because people are not in, maybe in the same level that you are able to love, or they just react to life in different ways. So I think that has been my, always my reminder. Because I hurt, I get hurt, I get hurt. And I cry and I go through my emotions and thank God for my husband, that he's my <laughs> psychologist and he needs to get hurt. But I, I, I have to remind myself, don't hope nothing in return. You're going to give love, and you're going to give your time, and you're going to give your resources. You better not hope nothing in return. That's good. Amen. Amen. And to me is um, the recent, the Bible verses, I love because you love me first. And it's that reminder that what I do, what we, how I treat people is not because of who they are, but who he is in my life. Um, I think for me, I had to not only forgive them, because when you forgive others, you're not saying it's okay what you did to me. That's good. But you're releasing them, because the reality is when you forgive others, you're releasing yourself from that pain. That's good. That doesn't mean that, and, it's a, it's, and we need to remember that it's a process. You don't immediately heal, you know? So it takes time, and it hurts a little less each time. And so I might not be as mature as these ladies, <laughs> but 
daily I had to pray. I had to make a conscious decision to pray for those individuals that hurt me. And so mention their name and say, God, help me heal from that. And bless them, right? Bless them daily. And so we had an um, experience um, that really hurt, and it's still, I'm still healing from it. It's been almost seven or eight years, right? Um, but I realized that it hurt so much because I didn't put my hope always in Christ. I put it on them. And so when they disappointed me, you know, it was almost as like God had disappointed me. And so it was uh, an immature, spiritual immaturity within me to trust a human being at the same level that I was trusting God. And so how do I heal? That was the question, right? <laughs> yeah. We can go that direction. Um, how do I love them, right? I'm still learning. There are people that I'm still learning how to not, like, I'm, at least I'm not hiding if I see them in the marketplace, okay? I used to, I'm gonna be real, I used to see them when it first happened, they would at Ross with me, uh, and I would try to go the other way and say, oh, please, Lord. Then, you know, if I saw their car, I was like, oh, I wish they're not there. I hope they're not there. I hope they're not there. Or, or I would go to another aisle. I don't do that anymore. Because I also had to forgive myself first, you know, um, for, not, for the hurt. Because we also hurt other people. We can't be so sanctimonious and think that we're always getting hurt. Sometimes we hurt, or we hurt others. And so to me, it was every day. You know, it's just... Praying every day that God, I, I just need you to heal that that space in my life. I need to see them. You know, I always said there's a question behind every question. I need to see that what happened is not them, but it was something maybe they're hurt. Maybe they thought they were doing what God wanted them to do. Maybe they misunderstood their assignment in my life and just allowed that space to know that. Only God can heal that. And so I'm not perfect. I'm still, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, how dare they? But um, there's a plan. They had to play a, play, a uh, place in my life. They had a place in my life to grow me in a specific place. So I'm still learning, you know. Can I say something? So I think... Um, Gladys said, Dr. Gladys said that she's in the process. But you know, I think I want the ladies here to, to understand something that we are not perfect. However, we have to deal with pain and, and, and hurt. Because if we just hide it inside and we are not proactive, that is not going to get resolved. And then at some point, you're going to explode in somebody else or in yourself. So we are dealing with pain, maybe at this moment right now, but you have to process that and not hide it because you're going to damage somebody else or you're going to damage yourself. And just to add on that, I think it's really important to, to, for you to remember that God can carry that process, that it's not too heavy, that sure. you can have those emotions. Sure, you can sure. be angry. I was angry. 
yeah, you know? Yeah. And so he can carry that. Yeah, we're good. All right. We got some good themes going on. Resilient from Rebecca, not being perfect. I'm, I mean, my mom's saying that. That's kind of nice, right? <laughs> this is why, ladies, it's so important that you guard your circle and you surround yourself with women like us. So wherever, wherever area that you're having a struggle in, don't run. You have nowhere else to run to. Run here. Right here, we will provide that comfort zone. We will tell you the truth. Listen, and so, my action speaks louder than words. Becky, sometimes I don't have to say much because I say it all with my face, and I think you get it. You know what I mean? And, but but that's 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 the the sisterhood. That's the family that we are. You know what I mean? Don't go nowhere else. If the if you feel something here in your gut that's telling you, you run away from that person. Run away and come home and look for one of us, you know, because we're gonna make sure that whatever pain, whatever situation that you're going through, you're gonna be uplifted, you know, and be, be poured into your life. All good stuff. God's love, right? God's love. And sometimes that love means to tell you the truth. The truth. When you're wrong, you're wrong, right? That's right. That's what I expect from these ladies, what I expect from my husband. Um, yes, if you don't have those people in your life, then you think everything is great, but the only way you grow is when you um, learn the things that you need to maybe change a little bit. And giving you that safe, safe area. Mm -hmm. Many times, that, um, me and Gladys, right, we have this thing going on. We don't like going, we don't like to drive over the bridge. So we're debating who's gonna be driving over the bridge, right? I said, uh -uh, Gladys, I did it last time, so honey, you gotta take over this time, okay? But as she's driving, she's also giving me that safe area well, I am venting. <laughs> but coming back from that trip, it's like, you know, everything's gonna be fun. We're comforting each other. Okay, we get recharged. High five. Let's keep doing it, Gladys. We're doing, we doing all right, right? You know, because we all have our little ups and downs, and I'm not perfect, and we're not perfect, but God is. I close my eyes through the bridge. And I don't know that she does that. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> so I don't know how she does that. <laughs> I thank you for your friendships. I do, and every one of you that I, you know, that I have sat down and had conversation, and you guys have experienced the Beckys because I don't know, I don't know what, the, what it is to be fake. You know, I, I want to make sure that we have that conversation that I'm, I'm steering you the right way. You know, there's not going to be a second conversation, girl, because I will remind you we had that conversation <laughs> because I love you, and because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth from the time. Good, good. Yeah, good. We open our mouth. All three of you are very authentic. I will definitely say Thank this. you, Alexis. <laughs> it's a good thing my kids aren't up here because they're like, Mom, calm down, Mom. Calm down. No, 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 that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Um, so this next verse is actually one of my mom's favorite, so I do you a little special thing for her, but also it's very empowerful. Um, Romans 8.38. It says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I love that verse so much. So the question I have for you today is, how has your capacity to love changed since becoming a mother? And how has it revealed God's love to you? We did have the questions beforehand, but they seem difficult. 
I'm gonna read it again because I told Lexi. I'll repeat it. I'll repeat it. My brain becomes foggy because all you guys are looking at me. This is the real thing. I'm letting it all out, and my thoughts be like, it, skip it, skip it, skip it, skip it. So I'm trying to get it together. All right, I'll, I'll repeat it, and everyone take a deep breath. Come on, Rebecca. Rebecca, she got it. We, 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 we tell. Oh, I think I'm the youngest mom, so I remember. <laughs> The no, remember how it feels like mom, being mom for the first time. I was referring to my code that I'm going to say. Guys. <laughs> Not her trying to fix it. She know what she meant. <laughs> she know what she meant. Okay. You see, it's how we had to check friends because you understood something different than I said. <laughs> so um, I think um, becoming a mom is a reminder of God's love. So. I never, since the moment that I saw my kids' face, like 11 and eight years ago, I immediately, like at that moment when I saw their face, when they showed me my babies, I felt like a strong, profound connection, a profound um, sense of affection, care, responsibility. So I loved them in that moment. I didn't have to grow love. Like, I remember when I saw my husband the first time in the church, I was like, ooh, okay, that guy looks good. But I didn't love him immediately. I was kind of connected to him in the first day that I came to the church. But I didn't love him immediately. That love grew. And now after 13 years, it's in a different level because now I love him. I'm not just had the butterflies in my belly. But when I saw my babies the first time, I loved them. So it's when that kind of understood the love of God. Because my kids, they cry the first day. They cry for, have been crying for the past 11 years. <laughs> they, I don't love them because they have good grades or because they do the chores. I love them. So I think that connection, I was able to experience another kind of love in me that I, I felt, okay, God loves me. Because I always, growing up with my own experience, I felt that I, I, I always saw God as somebody in heaven, like with doing judge and so saying who is good and who is bad. So I always thought that I needed to prove God, hey, I'm good. When I was going to church every Sunday, I had to kind of repent of all my sins, my, my sins because I thought I needed to be perfect. And because I, I, I grew up in religion, so I had to be perfect to uh, worship, I had to be perfect to take communion, I had to, be, I had to prove God that I'm worthy to be in church, or be, I was worthy to teach the kids ministry, I was worthy to uh, do some kind of activity in church. So at that moment I understood, he loves me. Yes, he does. Like he loves me because I love my kids, even if they do a tantrum or they do whatever, I love them. Whatever they do, they're going to change that I love them. So that was that connection. And that's, I was able to understand that God loved me. Even before, the Bible says, even before I was in my dad and my mom thoughts that there will be here on earth. So I think that was an important teaching moment for me.
That was good, Rebecca. <laughs> Me, at the age of 16, I was a child. And then, with the upbringing that I had as a child, everything was new to me. Love, love was very difficult to show in my family, you know? Because at that age in my life, it was all about surviving, you know? So, that doesn't mean that I love my kids differently, that I did not look at you with a different, you know, love, because I was like, wow, like Rebecca said, said early, God's love, you know? And, but I said, God gave his son, Jesus, to die for us. That's a lot of love. My first child, Jose, I was just so thankful for the family because of the love that they show, and that's how I grew. Because I didn't have that role model in my life on how to love a child, on how to bring up a child. My second son, Adrian, the same thing. You guys are all special in many different ways to mommy, even though that you guys think that Papa's the favorite one. <laughs> and then seven years after Lexus came, I cried for that one because after seven years, Andy was seven years old, so I'm like, oh my God, am I gonna be able to do this all over again? And Mara, you remember that, that day? Because I, I, I stood in that room and, you know, I went under the refrigerator to get that pill to make sure I don't conceive a child, but it happened. That was a lot of love, baby. That was a lot of love. Told you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I had to sue those companies. <laughs> And I love because <laughs> the whole topic of um, love has made me stronger, even through my growing days, you know, seeing people. I have to go back to my family church. I'm sorry, guys. I learned so much with my family church, and I love the way my kids look at me, and they love me, you know, and that, as a mom's love, no, not, nothing can ever compare, you know what I mean? My, my husband can't probably understand about the love that I have for my kids. He has his different love for his kids, but my love as a mother, when he knows that I'm cooking up a storm in the kitchen, he says, who's coming over? Because they individually have their different plate. That's the way I show my love. Because in, in the beginning, I wasn't that affectionate. I had to learn as I grew. And as I grew from my, my elders, I had models in the church that poured into me. Because I didn't know, I was just 16. 19 when I had Adrian, and 26 when I had, like, I was a pro by the time I had you, baby. <laughs> you know, but I thank God for God's love because it shows, showed me so much about his mercy, his love, and that it's not too late. It's, not, it's never too late, no matter how old you are. It's not too late. So to me, um, I didn't know, I didn't understand what unconditional love was. Um, I always thought that I had to earn love, right? So my behavior always, I always equate if I'm a good girl, um, then they're gonna love me. And partly it's because, you know, I had to move a couple of times through the foster care system. Um, and so, you know, 
I was um, a year with a family, and then all of a sudden my staff were packed, and I went to the home. And then I went back to another family, three months, um, and then I went back. And never, you know, one day you're there, one day you're not. And I said, through my formative years, right, I was seven, six, five, six, and seven. I think I moved about four different homes. And so I think that that um, marked me, because it's like, what was it about me that people didn't love? Right? Why did they were so quick to just ship me? Right? My mom didn't want me. You know, even though she her act was an act of love, but as a child, it's like, what was it about me that my mom didn't want to keep me? Then why did this family whom I grew to love doesn't want me? And why did this family mistreat me? And what is that family? And then the so when I was eight and I was um, moving to my final family, I tried to be perfect, you know, not disappoint because I don't want to be shipped back to another house. And so I came into my relationship with my husband and my relationship with people and my relationship with friends with that mentality that I need to make sure that I don't disappoint them because they're going to stop loving me and then um, discard me, right? So when I got... Um, So to know, I was 28 when I gave birth. So for all those years, I was just trying to be perfect with everybody else. I only had one person that loved me unconditionally that I know, and that's my husband, right? I can tell you, I put him, I put him through the ringer, right? I would create circumstances just to almost make him not love me and say I'm done, but he, throughout our marriage, always loved me, never gave up on me. And so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> But to grow up for 28 years thinking that, subconsciously thinking that you had to prove yourself to be able to be loved, and then all of a sudden, you hear you're pregnant, and you immediately love this baby in your belly that you don't even know, right? And when I've, when she was born, let me see my firstborn, and Melody was born 50 months later. To see these human beings that loved you unconditionally, and you love them unconditionally, right? I remember I was the most imperfect mom. I was afraid of everything. I remember the first time that she, something didn't settle in her stomach. I called my husband at work. It's like, I'm the worst mother in the world. I don't know what I gave her, that she's not feeling well. But all I wanted to do was for her to be safe. And so I think of God's love as all he wants us to be is safe in his presence. And that's all I wanted my kids to do. Did I make mistakes? Whew. They could probably give us a whole scroll. <laughs> but my, all I wanted them to know was God's love. I wanted them to love that no matter what, I would love them. And I'm telling you, I'm not a fighter, but don't mess with my kids. And I wanted them to grow differently than I did. I wanted them to know that they didn't need to earn love. Wow. 
that they were good just the way they were. Um, whether they were straight A's or like gave me a rainbow of grades. <laughs> right? Uh, my youngest is my artist, and Alexis was always bringing straight A's. And one day I said, Melody. I said, child, what's this? What's this? She said, do you want to be boring like that? Or do you want to have a rainbow? And I'm giving you a rainbow. And I was like, I got to love when she gave me a rainbow. Right? But just to know, um, my goal was to raise children that weren't um, broken as I was for 28 years. I'm 40 years, actually, longer than 28. So that was my goal. Share something because um, sometimes um, we carry so much baggage with us uh, in our childhood, you know, and we start comparing things then and now. My mother was great loving me because all everything that she could give me was she knew how to give. My job was to grab from that and become stronger and give more what the little bit that she was giving at her childhood. That's good. Because we don't know our parents' stories and we're quick to say, it's because of you, this is the love I'm able to, to give. No, shame on you and stop being a bully. Amen. Grow up. Right. Grow up and show God's love and the teaching of the whole entire year is, I'm love, right? And if you miss a couple messages, go back and check it out. Check it out and pour into yourself. And I think that really ties to that God's love is accompanied by grace. So, Mom, you're an amazing mother. But, and thank you for the grace you give me, because I'm a lot. <laughs> and I also do want to touch Rebecca mentioned, but something that Pastor Jay has drilled into this church since the first day, which is the difference between religion and relationship. And that is what I think you guys are alluding to that when you became mothers that you saw how pure and how easy God's love really is, how simple it all has to be. And we make it so hard. We make it that. so, we do, yeah, we as humans make it so hard because we are hard on ourselves. So that's really powerful. And the next question kind of ties into being not the most perfect person. Um, Psalms 34, 17 through 18 says, the Lord hears the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Would you mind sharing a time in your motherhood journey, which you all are still on, where you were broken and God's love was the only way through? I'll stop. Yeah. I think I shared this before, but I'll share it again. Um... Many of you know that I uh, went through bouts of depression, right? Um, there was a, a period in my life that um, depression had really overtaken me, uh, where I really didn't see the reason for living. Um, I had my kids, but I knew that the, if anything happened to me, they'd be fine, because really dad is he's perfect, okay? <laughs> to me, for us, he's perfect for us. Um, and so it was really a spiritual, not just depression, but spiritual oppression. And I was very broken. I just didn't, um, there was no light. Like, you know, when you say you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, there was 
just darkness, really darkness. Um, I had experienced um, a procedure and I, it had gone wrong and you know, like that fear, fear had overtaken me and then it went into depression, then it went into just being in bed, coming, going to work but coming home, just laying there, closing my door, not wanting to celebrate, it was um, New Year's Eve, um, I remember. And I think that um, I knew that that was not God's plan for my life. But I was so deep into that that I just didn't care. But then I had, I started just saying, God, I know that this is not your plan for my life. This is not what you want. You said, and I started saying God's word. You said that nothing can separate me from the word of God, the love of God. You said that you want to give me life and give it more abundantly. You said that, you know, I don't have a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. You said these words. And I think that that's when I truly felt God's love because all of a sudden, I started seeing a little light, right? I started worshiping, I started praying. Um, I started enjoying my daughter's voices outside my room and wanting to be with them. And I think that sometimes, Women, we are carrying all this and don't want to share it. And that's why you might get tired of my testimony, but it is, um, it was a moment that I was so broken. Um, but I didn't want anybody else to know that I was so broken. But I was truly contemplating suicide. I was thinking that. And God's like, girl, no, that's not. And that was a moment where I allowed the Holy Spirit for a minute just enter into my presence, into my little heart at that moment. And he started speaking his word to me and I was able to regurgitate it um, back. I'm praying and I just broke down. I was crying. And my husband gave me the space and I love him because he will pray for me every night. You know, he will go, come through our bedroom and pray over the doorpost and then I will feel his hand on my forehead and he will pray for me. But it was the Holy Spirit allowing him to just Heal those broken places, and it was not too long ago, it was less than 10 years ago or so, right? Wow, it was when we were before 2014, 2013, I think it was. But allow God to just, you know what? When we said getting the word of God and listen to worship music and pray, 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 that's because then the voice of God and the word of God begin to work in your heart, even when you have given up. Now, if you saw me, there was no reason for me to be in that stage, right? I had a wonderful husband. I have a, had a wonderful, uh, fulfilling job. I had amazing kids. But the enemy had a grip on my heart for some reason. And just, not the enemy, fear. started with fear. And it became a deep depression. And God just opened up. And I said, you know what? I started praying, praying in tongues, rebuking the enemy. And after that, um, God has done, God, God continued to do amazing things. So, Building a relationship is everything. You have to have that relationship with your father, you and him alone. Can't, I can't do it for you, Gladys. But that brokenness in my life of a mother of a wife. That happened when 12 years in my marriage, 
So I looked at my son, Jose, and said, at my child, that my kid, who was like, what, nine, ten? I thought, me and dad are breaking up. We're done. I threw, the, I threw in the towel, and I, I was calling it quits. You know, and I thank God for my husband. Because if it wasn't my husband, we wouldn't be here sitting down doing this, what we do today. I thank God, thank God for, again, many of you guys that, has, that poured into my life, not knowing what was going on in the home, you know? And I was even ashamed to say that I was the one that told my husband that I was done, you know? And it took me a hard time to face that. It was not easy sitting through the years after God restored our marriage and he spoke about it. Even till today, I rejoice in God because he restored our marriage, but it's, it, it still tugged in my heart because I decided to do that. But I thank God that he never gave up on me. Because if he would have given up on me, I wouldn't have Jose Rebecca in my life. I wouldn't have Adrian or Jessica. I won't have Alexis or David, and I won't have seven beautiful grandchildren that we share together. And I thank God that he's my father. We share the same dad. That's why you should never feel fatherless in this place, because we can all relate. He's my strength, he's my hope. something um, that is that that when you are healthy when you are okay those seeds of reading the Bible and fellowship um, they're going to be revealed when you really need it so for me that broken moment I think was when my son was diagnosed with diabetes <laughs> and you know that it's easy for people to tell you the truth but when you are broken, you are not able to process information. So I remember um, Pastor Jose coming to my house very joyful and saying, you know, like, God had a plan. And I was like, I, I left. I, the, we were outside in the party and I left and I went inside. Because that was like a slap in the face, like, why? Like, why God's plan has to be involved with pain, you know? But those seeds that you plant in your life with reading the Bible, with looking to your, your relationship with God, even when you are broken, sometimes, and as human, you decide, because you, I, I was mad, I was angry, and I was sad. So I've been wanting to talk to God. I've been wanting to talk to God. And, but at some point, that seed had to harvest. That seed had to harvest in your heart. So at some point, I had to realize that the only way through when you say that is God. Because when you are broken, you need His divine love 
and hug and embrace to be healed. Because a lot of people, when you go through something, a lot of people embrace you and say, hey, I'm with you, whatever. But you, you can't because we are wired that the only way sometimes to get through something is God. So I believe that that seed that you put and when you are joyful, feel more like you have to sow and sow, so more like um, pray and, and rejoice when you can. Because you, when you are broken, had to harvest. It had to harvest at some point. So for me, that moment, I, ha I was able to, not took me too long, but I was able to realize that my, that my, my father-in-law's words, they were real. That my son's pain had a higher, a higher um, plan. It had a higher plan, and it has a higher plan. So I had to process my human emotions to be able to understand that. So I, I, I ask you, when you are okay in your health, uh, um, emotionally, who seeds in your heart? Who seeds in your heart because they're going to harvest, but when you are empty, how are you going to harvest things that you need to be able to, uh, to overcome those, those moments? That's good. Yeah. So um, I want to be very mindful of time, but I, I do want to end on a, a different note. Um, just really quickly, what would you tell younger generations like myself and even younger um, about the journey of God's love? Some words of encouragement. I am living proof. <laughs> you know, that's all I can say. People come to me, my family, Becky, there's something different in you. What is it? God, God's love. Everything that I have, I don't own. He has given it to me. It's that real. His love is that big, that great. He is that giving. He does care. He covers you. You're not alone. So it's like, that's God's love for me. And that's, I am where I am because of him. So you say something, accepting God's love. I think this is different. Because for me, I accepted Jesus in my heart for salvation when I was seven years old. Because somebody told me, hey, I open your heart. I said, yes, let's do it. Because I was there again. And you want to become part of the movement that's going on. But accept love, God's love is a process and you have to be proactive because sometimes we seek for God's love the way that you love. And we have learned all the conversations have been about seeking the wrong way because you don't know how to love. I, I was looking for a God in heaven with a big thing giving orders to everyone because I saw that in my house and I saw a machista man in my house giving macho orders man. and giving macho orders. man. And so I was looking for God's approval based on my personal experience. So receiving God's love is easy because God gives you the love, but accepting it is a process and that you need to be proactive how that you are seeking for love. How that you are seeking for love. And the way that you, you seek controls and you are able to say, okay, it's working or not is when you see yourself how do you give love. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the metrics, and I'm an engineer or whatever, but <laughs> it's how do you see the results. If you start seeing loving people, 
in a different way. It's like, okay, I'm accepting God love because I'm loving like God. I'm being like God. So those kids that are here, teenagers, I ask you, ask God to reveal his love to you. And that is powerful and it's amazing when you don't know what is love. And something that we need to define, religion and relationship. I believe in a God and a Father in heaven that cares for me, that loves me, that I have felt embraced, that I have felt protected. It's not just about a historical rule in coming to church. No, it's a relationship. So look for and seek for be able to accept that love because his love is free, but the way that you take it is, is, is the, the problem here. And the experience is different different in everyone. And to me is, don't think of God love, God's love on an, um, don't seek to understand God's love in the natural way, uh, intellectually. Because you're not going to understand his love intellectually, right? And then see yourself how God sees you. He sees you worthy. That's, he loves you. He sees you perfect in his sight. He sees you at the end. He doesn't see the, the journey. He sees what he spoke to you. He spoke of you as the apple of his eyes. He spoke of you as his child. He spoke of you as wonderfully made. So what? You have a few extra pounds. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Spence are great. No, honey, you embrace it. You're right. You embrace it. And like I said last Sunday, you are an original and lo God loves you originally. Amen. You're one of the kind. So love yourself the way He loves you and don't try to think of it in an intellectual way. That ties so well into our closing. Um, if you remember, we're in our little quilting bee right now. Um, and that had a historic significance, but also the quilt um, symbolizes a lot in literature and in life. Um, if you think about what a quilt is, it's scraps of fabric, it's pieces of fabric that really should not go together. So today we heard scraps of your lives, pieces of your journey that really should not have come together at all. And look at you guys, look how amazing you are. And, and when people quilt, they take these scraps and they use craftsmanship and they use vision to put together this amazing, beautiful piece of art that brings comfort to a community. And that's exactly what God does for you. That's exactly his love. So each one of your stories, piece by piece, piece by piece, your story, your journey may look tenuous, may look a little tragic in areas, but God's love in your life has made it beautiful and your testimony should be shared. So with that, I just want to thank all those who are online. Happy Mother's Day. We are so grateful that you came virtually. We hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday and remember God's grace. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at 
www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.